<coughs> theme for the afternoon talk is uh, interconnection and uh, the self. There are many uh, ways of uh, describing uh, uh, the process of mindfulness, of meditation, of significant uh, situations uh, in our life. And one of the descriptions is that a relationship is established. We might describe the relationship in basic, simple terms of uh, the self establishing a relationship with the object. The variety of objects, internal feelings and thoughts, and more, external through the senses, come to us, or so to speak, we go to them, and a relationship is established, the subject with the object. It's a, a meeting point. And there are a wide variety of situation, places and environments, internal and external, where there is a connection. We make a connection. And that connection, whatever it is, has some influence, of some impact, for we might say uh, better or worse. But the subject, you might call it consciousness or whatever, doesn't exist by itself. It is under the influence of the rest of the being, in fact. And there may be, in our life, something which we wish to give our attention to, to connect with. It may be something of a task or a job, contact with another, creativity, nature and much, much more. And we find, for some time, that though the thought is there, I really need to connect with. I really need to develop a relationship with, to start this or that. The distractions in the mind seem to prevent us from that creative act, from that engagement, from the subject meeting the object that one wishes to connect with, whatever that might be uh, about, so that we find ourselves unable to perhaps start or sustain or maintain a connection, subject with the object, the point of interest. And it's quite common that we say to ourselves, I must try harder. I haven't got enough willpower. I should really 
force myself this. Uh, I've got to apply an effort to do this or to keep it going or to bring it to completion. This view that we have doesn't come out of the blue, so to speak. We've been conditioned in this way. The system, is it the polite word for some other word, the system of what we've been brought up into has told us this. You must try harder. You've got to put more energy or effort into this. You've got to really push yourself. And that nightmare one-liner, there is no pain without gain. <laughs> or no gain without pain, <laughs> whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> and so we get the idea, the impression, which can show itself in our meditation as well. I should push myself a bit more. I should put more right effort, because that sounds more spiritual than just effort. I should put more right effort uh, in, uh, to this. The act of the will is a certain energy the self, the I, in, with its uh, interest there, there's no such thing in these teachings of uh, free will, it's another loopy idea, that the will to act is dependent on much else as well. Not free. Tied up with many factors. And sometimes, this is the point, sometimes temporarily we want to apply our attention to the object here it might be called the breath it might be called the body it might be called the state of mind it might be called the present moment it might be called connecting with our experience that we say I need to put more effort into it I've got to try harder because mummy and daddy told, that, told me that and then when I went to school, they kept telling me that. And I remember even on my, uh, uh, my exam papers or class at the end of the term. Christopher is okay, but he could try harder. <laughs> Something like that. I would put, Christopher is okay because he's not trying harder. <laughs> but anyway, that's it. So, so, so we get the idea, this is the point, that the effort and the will towards the object will keep us in contact with the object. It will be temporary. And the energy will begin to fade. We can't keep the effort going. Nobody can. There. Other factors begin to come in as well. So, if effort has a very limited um, 
support for us. It has a value, it's not to deny it, but it's a very uh, limited one. What is it that is stopping us from a very clear connection with that which is important and valuable? If we forget the word effort, forget the willpower, forget the trying harder, forget the pushing of ourselves. The answer is simple. Love has much more power. It's much more sustainable, much more connecting love. And when there is that which brings out interest, which is a, a statement of love, when there is that where, where the heart and the mind and the, the knowledge and the interest uh, is there. That the love and uh, the interest, the passion, the enthusiasm uh, makes that connection with whatever it, that connection is, uh, is towards much more likely and possible. And it might require from us some reflection and uh, exploration and seeing what is this relationship which, so to speak, I have with the uh, object? What is the, to use one of the Buddha's words here, what is the blessing of exploring this? And that interest in that matters. One hears with the, uh, uh, the path, uh, those of you who have been on retreat in the uh, Buddha Dharma world will have heard regularly this right effort. They are general two concepts in use which at a more subtle level have a, a, a deeper meaning to them, to both these words. Right, the word is samma, it, right is, carries the meaning that which is nourishing and fulfilling, non-harmful clearly. So in that respect it might say different from wrong or harmful. So that which is healthy, wholesome, beneficial, this is under the word right, and it's nourishing to the point it's fulfilling. Teachings are towards a liberation, towards an awakened way of life, towards a fulfilled way of life. And the word um, effort, the actual um, meaning of the word, vayama, uh, there, in the sense and the, uh, the meaning uh, uh, of it, it is to connect, that is the uh, yama uh, aspect of it, and the vai um, is to, in the engagement, is to connect and bring a little bit more into that connection. There. And one of the things which helps considerably uh, with this 
is the feeling life and the feeling of love towards, friendship towards, interest towards, one has some passion or enthusiasm, uh, a willingness to make some endeavour. So, in the retreat environment, as an example for us, our meditations here are an actual event and a symbolic. What I mean by that, here of course from the swallow, there is the encouragement to focus the attention on the object, to take an interest in what it is to be a human being, to look deeper at what is uh, taking place and to find ways as skillful as possible to maintain the connection. It's called the breath, it's called the body, it's called the now, it's called the listening to the talks, it's called the reflections or whatever. And when we lose sight of the importance of the connection, what happens is that the self accelerates. The self gets more central. We not only connect with the self, we get stuck with it. I, me and my. And the rest of life begins to fade away. We get wrapped up in the self. And the self has a feeling in its loneliness, in its being judgmental in its reactiveness of being cut off from that which we wish to be connected with. When we are obsessing about ourselves and indulging in ourselves and attacking ourselves and putting ourselves down and caught in that, sometimes there's just some mindfulness or awareness I'm cut off from those things of life which are really important and valuable to me. I'm not connected with it because I'm so caught up in the self. So one of the practical aspects of this is that in looking at and exploring connectedness, recognising sometimes it's a challenge, rather than relying on the willpower to get connected and taking a deeper interest in the feeling life, love, friendship, curiosity, interest, seeing if we can wake that up inside of us to help reconnect with what is important. I had a rather interesting, if I may uh, speak about uh, something uh, recent, recently. Um, I live in uh, Devon, in uh, South uh, uh, Devon, and actually been in the same house for about, uh, gosh, uh, in half my life, for about uh, 36 years. So I know the front door and the back door rather well. And I know it's 36 years because my daughter is 37 and she was a year older and we moved there. So, so 
uh, remember. So a couple of weeks ago, <coughs> um, because it's the, it was the end of September uh, there, I booked a room in an old Victorian hotel in Cornwall, which is the next door county. If you, if you know what the map of England looks like, that little strip down there, that's called uh, Cornwall, and I'm in the next uh, uh, county, basically as far from London as possible. And why? <laughs> actually, I like going to London for 48 hours. And while, so I booked this hotel uh, room, this old Victorian hotel with the um, um, intention of kind of looking back um, into the past and writing about it when I was in the uh, East. So I spent, if I may say, some 10 years in the East from 1967 to 1977. And during this time, the, the, the dutiful son... Uh, wrote regularly to his beloved uh, mother, now passed from this world, and that was probably every week or every uh, uh, ten days. And beloved mum, she kept all that I sent there, kept them in an old shoebox, all these letters, and when I got back after uh, ten years, she said, I've kept all your letters for you, and here they are, and handed them over, all, uh, the aerograms, as we called them in the, the old days. Those of you in the grey-haired club will know. And there were 427 of them. <laughs> so, some years ago, I started uh, on this. I thought, oh God, you know, past is past, got more interesting things to do. Uh, etc. And I was only doing it to please my mother, as sons tend to do sometimes. And um, I got on to, with some other things. And I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to get this done. This is the point. So, with the past, memory, we have our memories. What we actually remember tends to be very selective. It's not like we can choose to remember anything and everything. And there are plenty of things which we remember, which we just do not want to remember, <laughs> etc. And plenty of things which we remember, we're very happy to, and etc. All of that is going uh, on. So, set myself up in this small room, and went for nice long walks on the beach to get away from the laptop, and had my coffee and croissant down the road from the hotel, what they call meal deal for lunch, you know, hummus falafel in a roll with a bit of carrot cake and some <laughs> juice, and then um, a, a takeaway in the evening, Indian of course. Uh, uh, so nice and cheap, end of the season is over, nice and cheap hotel room as, as well. And the weather was rather kind and so forth. This is the point. So I've got all these letters and I thought, I'll just, I've already done quite a lot of writing on it and I'll complete the first two years. So basically 1,000 words a month for 10 years, 120,000 words book, that's the, the idea. So I've got the letters. The juicy stuff 
is all in the diaries. Everything which is censored was in the letters. <laughs> I didn't want to, my mum to know about taking acid in Laos and, <laughs> and smoking hashish in Kabul and things like that. You know, she's a good Catholic, she'd worry. <laughs> so I had the combination of what really happened and the watered-down version for my, for my mother. The first day or two, this is an extraordinary thing, the first day or two I was just relying on the words. I didn't you know, no, no much connection, just a vague memory. And some things which I wrote, it was pretty clear, yeah, I remember that really, really clearly. Other things, just a little bit of it, and some things, some experiences, I have no memory of. This is 1967, 1968, was in my early 20s. No memory of. But it's written there. But just, God, that happened to me. God. And after a day or two, it was extraordinary, as the writing got into the flow of events which are... 50 years old and 50, yeah, 50 years, 1967, 68. So those are the two years I was concentrating. As I got into it, the memory began to kick in. And I'd be writing, I would hardly need some of these notes there. And it was like last week, last month. I couldn't believe how fresh... It, those experiences were feeling as I was, as I was writing. Yeah. You know, whether it was hitchhiking uh, across uh, Turkey, uh, uh, smoking some very good dope in the caves in Matala, uh, <laughs> or, or whatever, or hitchhiking across uh, the outback in Australia, and all the other stuff that was going on. Uh, Whoa! It just started to... The feeling, memory, image, picture, story started coming, to, coming together. And I really enjoyed a whole week of living in the past. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it wasn't, it's not always so comfortable because if one is living in the past and then writing about it. <laughs> It's not very comfortable for a teacher who's constantly pointing to the emptiness of I and my, <laughs> writing a whole book full of I and my. I mean, it's, you know, it's not easy to live with, you know. <laughs> All right. So there is the events of the past. Sometimes, um, sometimes it is intentional. We can health healthily and purposefully move the intention to the old. And sometimes some of the beloved counsellors and psychologists and psychotherapists and psychiatrists and analysts are really giving encouragement for people to look to the past and to see the influences from the past and the way the past is impacting upon the present there. And it's a very important and very skilled work to do. The effectiveness of it and the importance of it, and there's only one way to confirm it, is it makes a genuine beneficial difference to the present. No point in knowing everything what happened to us in our past 
whatever that might be, a trauma or a pain or an anguish or a hurt or a disappointment, you know, if we need some counselling or therapy or whatever it might be. Unless it's going to make a real difference here and now. Then, ah, that was purposeful, that was useful. So, it's a reminder here that in the field of connection, which is what the theme of the talk is, to really recognise there are times when the past, near and far, really can help through connecting with it to shed light upon the present, upon our lives, upon who we are, upon what makes us up. And the, the Buddha uses uh, two words uh, uh, with regard uh, to this. One is the word samkara, and sam, like samar, means coming together. And kara is uh, an activity. So, there may be some coming together, some activity in the present. The state of mind is a samkara. Speech is a samkara. The condition of the body is a samkara. That which is coming and forming together is called a samkara. And the Buddha gives much emphasis and teachings, as with other things, to look at the samkaras which are influencing us. And sometimes, as here as well, we have the opportunity to look at a challenging or difficult situation. We know there is something unresolved to us. We want to see it clearly. That's the connection aspect. Might find some light by the talks or the inquiries or talking with myself, or some reflection, or the meditation, so that the samkara, that which has formed and come together uh, there, to see it clearly, to recognise, is the important thing, what needs to change. When it's a problematic samkara, what needs to change? Because we can in a way, have too much confidence in the power of the mindfulness just to see. Too much confidence to meditate on, to observe, to uh, witness. And you think, well, if I really see it well and clearly, that should dissolve it. Maybe yes. Very maybe no. So sometimes it's the seeing of something unsatisfactory. We want to see it clearly and connect with it to really see it clearly. But with it carries the interest there. What is the change or changes which are necessary to dissolve this particular samkara? And the recognition of what it is that requires some change could be a letting go. It could be applying 
something different as a practice, you find yourself possibly constantly finding fault with somebody. You think about them, you can only think about what you don't like about them. You talk to them, you make their life miserable. Um, you write about them, can't find a good word to write about. Uh, there are a few people like this in the world. I'm not in this room, of course, but uh, in this world. Yeah. And sometimes we say to them, this can't go on like this. When the love inside is actually burning up, there's nothing like blame and negativity and, and irritation and annoyance to burn up love, burn up friendship. And so sometimes we say, look, to ourselves, can't go on like this. We see clearly that it's going on, but the seeing isn't making the change. We're connected with this kind of unsatisfactory experience. And Buddha uses this language of <clears throat> applying that which is not that, practicing that which is not that. So if it's um, negativity and blame, then one develops a connection with kindness and friendship. If it's always seeing what's wrong with this world, recognising the blessings. If one tends to be rather tight and mean and ungenerous, practising generosity. If one's finding oneself constantly trying to control other people and putting pressure on them in uh, some way or other, then one practices a more uh, relaxed and spacious view with regard to people. If one is fearful of speaking up when it's time to speak up, one practices finding the voice of speaking up. So sometimes the connection with the clarity of the situation, it may make the change through your clarity, through your insight, through the real seeing of something. And it loses its power. But if you're seeing clearly, and you've seen clearly before, and you know nothing really changed, then it, it will require something else. One possibility of several is applying that which is not that. Generosity to replace greed, kindness to replace negativity, uh, bold steps to replace fearf fearfulness, and many other ways in uh, subtle explorations of, the, of things. And sometimes the small change and the, the connection with the small change, sometimes just two or three small changes can make an extraordinary difference doesn't have to be big. It's a house of cards. <laughs> you know, you've only got to take one card out. It's not like you've got to dismantle it. Take out one card. The deeper, the better. <laughs> the whole lot collapses. 52 cards and the lot collapse. Just by taking one thing out of it. And that interest in, in that, of just a small shift in the events... <clears throat>
in the spiritual world, and uh, um, it is a world, uh, it is a uh, one of the worlds, and one of the worlds, so to speak, worth taking uh, an interest in. And what I mean uh, by this is that particularly in Dharma and practice and meditation talks and teachings and so forth um, much of it can can be in the relative relative sense about our relationship to so-called ourself so-called the other and much of that which goes on with our life clearly is about oneself and about the other, whatever that might be. There are important times, and certainly here, where the world of the self and the other, and the other could be people, but the other could be things, uh, and money, and uh, relationships, and many other things which are uh, with our life. To generate some time not to be so interested in the dynamic and the connection with self and other, whatever that might be. To see if it's possible when we're not so involved in the world of self and other, to find or discover or realise something not about living as well as we can in this world. And, and I'll try not to go on a distracting other direction uh, here, but I will get back. But and what I mean by that, having many conversations with friends here, here uh, means in different places. I've got in mind in Totnes, uh, 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 where I where I live. There, which I might have mentioned, has declared itself as um, um, an independent city-state. So the town, or many of us, are so utterly disillusioned with Brexit, the right wing and the left wing too for that matter and the centre as well by the way <laughs> uh, 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 there so we've given up all hope that the British can get their act together about anything so we've decided to be in an independent state we've issued our uh, Totnes passport <laughs> and um, you're very very welcome to come and a uh, number of people in the town have signed um, and made a, an oath of their allegiance to the EU and on the Guildhall door in the town they, that uh, a chart of the oath of reformation of Brexit has been nailed like Luther did a few years ago to the door of the 16th century or 17th century building in the town because we're environmentalists, it wasn't actually nailed. We used blue tack. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you 
Not less is eccentric where I live, I have to say. That's why I've been in the same house for 36 years. It's a really interesting place. And in the connectedness with, the, uh, uh, with, with things, as I uh, mentioned, that this m- movement of connectedness, if we can, so to speak, step apart from, and the conversations is what I've been having, some of my friends are not activists, not engaged, like some of us in the spoken word or in actions or in the critique, uh, uh, etc. Some of us quite involved in the political economic dialogues, uh, global ones that are going on. And some of my friends, with regard to this, say, Christopher, it's just not for me. I just can't and don't wish to be involved in politics in any way uh, whatsoever. Do say it's important to respect that. That people shouldn't be pressurised, despite everything, to connect with the political, social, economic, activism and so so forth. And so some friends are saying to me, both in Totnes and elsewhere, is see my task as a human being on, on this earth to live with as much wisdom as possible. To live with moderation, of course. To take care with the resources that one has. To live with kindness and friendship uh, towards others and the, the environment. And to trust in that process of living wisely and sensitively and respectfully. I think those kind of voices are really, really important. And they're really important for the person, but they're important because we need vast networks who are connecting with life, who are putting wisdom really, you know, really in the centre stage, shall we say. Wise actions, wise commitments, wise concerns, and living with a certain integrity that goes with it. And there will be a few who wish to engage in the political way, wish to question the system, wish, wish to question the powerful voices that dominate our, uh, our lives uh, there. But it's a voice and an exploration there which is suitable for some. That's all. Coming back to the point again, it may well be and necessary, I would say it is necessary, to allow consciousness, means being conscious, to forget, not in absolute terms here, this world, all these formations, the influence of the samkaras, and the other word the Buddha uses is the word karma, meaning any unsatisfactory influences from the past, this is called karma, which we're not seeing clearly, even in the doing of good, quote-unquote, as well as unhealthy and unwholesome activities. And 
really being clear about that movement of something which is unresolved for us, therefore some karma in it, and it's landing in the present and affecting our well-being, our peace of mind, our clarity, our insight. So sometimes in the exploration there's the really listening to are there any formations in going on in the mind which really need some attention? Or, it's rather similar, is there any karma, meaning any unresolved habits and patterns and volitions from the past having some unsatisfactory influence, even doing good? Because sometimes people are doing good, really good things. The wisdom isn't there. The end, the result of that is burnout. The result of that is feelings of failure. The result of that is not wanting to do it anymore. So even with the doing of good, it takes wisdom and clarity there. To help, this is an important aspect with connection now, to get a perspective on all of this, of this whole life, and this journey that we are all on, we need, and profoundly need, a much bigger sense of things, and as it were, get connected with that. It's not just about living wisely, it's not just about living well, not just about giving support to people, animals and the environment, precious as it is. The perspective and all of that requires something much deeper and bigger. And there can be moments when it might be in our meditations, it might be just outdoors, we just go for a walk in the forest, and in certain situations, sometimes spontaneously, sometimes um, through the practice, and what a different sense of life and it's not just about me and connecting with what I want to connect and even here it requires some awareness and, and, and clarity and that's what I want to uh, mention here I hear a lot meditation teachers I hear a lot and in hearing a lot, I hear, and it's you know, often a sweetness and a delight, a pretty extensive range of people's spiritual, religious, deep experiences. In retreats, out of retreats, recently, decades ago, people may share. Sometimes the um, residue is of it, of, with this is, oh, oh, Christopher, I've had this very deep experience. It really changed my life. It happened 
whenever, on the retreat, or before the retreat, or years ago, uh, there, and all the different ways that it might uh, have happened, um, including drugs, I shouldn't say that, but one has to trust that people have genuinely important and life-changing experiences with uh, drugs. It's a bit more risky than meditation, but everybody... Yeah. The important thing is that deep sense, let's call it oneness, let's call it a very profound sense of the interconnectedness of all things. So it is genuinely bigger than just, oh, me connecting with the breath, or connecting with that artistic endeavour, or connecting with this act of service, or with this group of people, or with sky above and earth below. So a person may have a genuinely deep, profound sense of oneness and connectedness with life. And this also really can change the whole way of looking. And as people will say, and perhaps some of you know as well, well, this kind of experience really opened up my life, it opened up my world, it is important to uh, recognise that and uh, appreciate that. What one has to be mindful about here, this is where the, the Buddha made a, a significant departure from that time and in relation to here. We could settle for that. Oh, life, in cosmic life, is all one. Everything, stars above to earth below to the far reaches of the cosmos, there's a connection with everything. That the small events of life are a reflection there. One could follow it through and say, there's the Big Bang and somebody gives me a a kiss on the cheek and it's a, an echo of the Big Bang. <laughs> Sometimes a kiss on the cheek is even more important. But anyway. <laughs> so, sometimes in the small, so to speak, the, there is this vast sense of connection. The time of the yogis and in the present time of the uh, yogis and the practitioners it would be understandable to have such a profound experience and with it the self enters into it and says I know I got it this is it there or maybe it is whatever the Buddha's teachings are a liberation teaching. A liberation teaching is a liberation teaching even from identifying with that kind of experience. That the self isn't using it. I got it. There. Even more importantly, there. it has, at least in my ears, a certain kind of passive sense about it. Oh, I 
had this experience. It was really profound and beautiful. And I'm saying yes, beautiful and lovely to lovely to hear uh, there. But the Buddha disagreed with the yogis who were meditating for a profound transcendent experience to achieve to confirm enlightenment and liberation. He had those kind of experiences himself, he spoke very eloquently about them. He's teaching an enlightened life. And an enlightened life is not dependent on the particular experience. They are incredibly important. They are beautiful to share and to know, to feel and to, exp uh, to explore. But the enlightened life is an engagement with life. It's a liberated life. And it includes the tremendous varieties of healthy, spiritual, religious, deep, emotional, intuitive kinds of experience, a tremendous range of them, which can allow and can uh, make available greater expressions and understanding of this whole field of human life. It's not restricted to an experience. It is not restricted to something for the self to grab hold of and say, I got it. And that's what's so precious about these kinds of teachings. It genuinely, in its deep sense, like the universe itself, it is extraordinarily open. It is not making a demand on us to get something and settle for that. No matter what all the gurus and the masters and the Buddhists and all that may be saying. And there is a freedom in that exploration because one's not ending up with the particular. Because the particular, the self will take up and hold on to. So do follow, take an interest in connection. Recognise the short-term benefits at times of applying some effort to a situation. Yes. Do not imagine it's all about effort. Recognise the importance of the heart with connection, love, friendship, interest, uh, curiosity. See those times and places in our life with connection where we connect and we recognise something needs to change in some way or other as the Buddha on this commented see the name and the form these are the words he uses to be as clear as possible what is it that needs to change to name it not to say, oh, I need to change. No, what, what, what? But to be really clear, what is it that needs to change? And if we don't have the tools, because sometimes we don't, 
or the imagination, sometimes we don't. It may need from us communication, sharing and benefit with those who understand about the making of change. Whether it's the personal change or the social change or the political change or whatever it is you and I need to connect with. If we really realise, I just tried, I haven't found a way through this, whatever it might be about, let's have the humility to say, okay, let me connect with those who have the wisdom, who have the knowledge, who have the skills. And, of course, in this room here, there's a huge amount of wisdom and love and friendship and knowledge and dedication to the service of others. And we therefore we give support to that. While recognising and never neglecting nor forgetting the larger sense of things. The real expanse of things. Just so that we get our modest life into a proper perspective. So let's have a quiet minute, shall we? <coughs> May all beings explore connection. May all beings live with love. May all beings find the wisdom which is liberating. 